You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Here he is without further ado, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How you doing today? My friend, how are you? Good. A little smoke in the air still. Little? I can't see you. There's something in front of us here. <laughs> you know, I worked for the BLM for three summers on oh, the fire crew. Really? Yeah. And it uh, when those fires get going, it's it can chase you. It can, it's scary. You know, I'm praying right now, and I mean this, that uh, we're seeing that the military is going to get involved and help fight the fires. First time in about 10 or 15 years that's happened. I hope we get some really hard rain showers. You know, it, we need it. It's uh, This has been one of the worst for I don't know how many years yeah, as far yeah. as fires. So. Well, um, what are we going to talk about this morning? Well... If we could I'm go, scared to ask. <laughs> ah, you're going to like this. Okay. If we could go outside your house right now and look to the north, we would, uh, in 1810. Okay. Back in 1810. 1810. We would see a group of people going up the Snake River and headed for the Columbia River. Yeah. The Wilson Price Hunt Party. Oh, I've read about them. Yeah. yeah, these guys, uh, I mean, oh, what they went through. But anyway, you know, the Pacific Fur Company was formed in New York City by John Jacob Astor. Right. And on June 23rd, 1810, shortly thereafter, he sent two parties to the mouth of the Columbia River, one by sea, the other by land. Now, I've read his book, and uh, the the one that went by sea, that's a, quite a fascinating story. But I'm, we're not going to get into that today. We're going to yeah. talk about the Wilson Price Hunt that headed the company, and he led the Overland Party. Why did Astor want to finance that? He wanted a monopoly on the entire fur business in the world. So basically controlling interest. He wanted the whole thing. He yeah. wanted to be able to ship it to Japan, China, Europe. So it was. he wanted a monopoly on the whole entire thing. I see. So 1810. But anyway, in this Overland group, there were 64 people, uh, including a pregnant Sioux Indian woman who was the wife of the party's interpreter, whose name was uh, Pierre Dorian. And they had two children, ages uh, two and five, and plus, like I say, pregnant at this time. Yeah. So anyway, the journey was actually pretty good until they reached the Snake River. Mm-mm. And you've been up and down the river, so I'm going to talk, talk a little bit about that. But yeah. uh, they came in about where Sugar City and uh, Ashton and that area, right in there. But anyway, uh, 1811, the Overland Party arrived at a trading post on the North Fork of the Snake. It was called Henry's Fort. Oh, my. Now, the Amer- this is the first American post west of the main ridge of the Rockies. had been built the previous summer, but its founder, this guy named Andrew Henry and his employees, they, they abandoned in it uh, because they almost starved through one winter and they decided that was enough so they left this fort but anyway they were tired of traveling by horseback so the members of the hunt party decided to use these big cottonwood trees growing along the river to build canoes to float down the snake mm-hmm. so you have an idea what's coming absolutely because they wanted to go all the way on the snake clear to the columbia Okay. Well, Wilson Price Hunt negotiated with two local Shoshone Indians to watch the party's horses, which they had about 100 head, uh, until the following year when they'd come back. So he'd left their horses. So, But the Indians warned Hunt. They said that river travel on the snake is not possible. 
But because a member of the party was suffering from an ailment that made riding on a horse torture... I wonder what the, you're referring to. They, the warning went unheeded. I'll just say that. Let me ask you this. Were there reports that had been filtered back east and everything about the treacherous uh, show shown in Twin Falls? I don't know that because, uh, you know, the, the uh, Lewis and Clark was only, what, 1805. Yeah. So we're only five years later. Yeah. So I don't know that they anybody really knew about the Snake River. I, I think they might have known about it, but but nobody had ever really seen it. I see. So, okay. Anyway, so four men were left in the vicinity of Henry's Fort to trap beaver. The rest of the party loaded 15 canoes with supplies, and they continued their journey toward the Columbia. Now, the voyage down the snake began pretty smooth. Uh, the day was clear and cold. landscape was warm from the sun, the cottonwood trees lining the river, just a kind of a nice little canoe ride. Well, when the party reached the junction of the Snake and the Mad Rivers, the channel widened, and the water took on a pea-green hue. The current became strong, moving the canoes along at a pretty fast rate. And the first major rapid was encountered October 21st near Idaho Falls, present-day Idaho Falls. Really? Yeah, so these handmade canoes were rigged with ropes, and then with all the men ashore, the craft were eased down the rapids, and actually they lost several, several uh, capsized. They spilled their cargo into the river, and uh, anyway, below the rapids, the river ran pretty smooth again. So the men got back into the canoes, you know, geese and ducks, beaver, all these things around them. Two days of traveling on the nice water brought hunt the hunt expedition to the mouth of the Portneuf River. Mm-hmm. Okay, now October 28th. We're getting into the fall. Keep that it's in mind. It's cold. It's starting to get cold. Yeah. And uh, river travel came to an end because the temperatures dropped below freezing and ice on the river. And, of course, this is back over there. You can see the Teton Mountains. Not fun to swim in buckskins no. in 40-degree water. <laughs> no. So they keep going, and they reach another set of rapids. Oh. All right. Well, when the danger became apparent, there was no time to get the canoes ashore. The first canoe survived the rapid. It made it through. Uh, But the second vessel, uh, manned by a guy named Ramsey Crooks, hit a great big boulder, flipped over. Crooks and three of his men clung to a rock until they were rescued. The fifth occupant of the canoe, Antonine Clapine. Uh-huh disappeared into the water and was never found. Now, these guys, I would imagine, had never really been from back east, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'd never really learned to navigate a canoe in rough water, had well, they? Well, right. And and you've seen the the Cauldron Lynn oh, boy. when there's been high water. Amen. And we've had we've lost people even in recent years. Absolutely. Over there. Yeah. But, you know, the river narrows into this uh, white frothing water uh, and the travelers considered themselves finished with the Snake River, uh, but the river wasn't through with them. Uh, the defeated trappers hauled their supplies up the icy banks of the Snake, and with no horses to carry their stuff, they had to cache everything. Now, most of the goods were trade items like knives, mirrors, cloth, stuff like that, paint, and the river had actually swallowed up most of their food, leaving them with only five days' worth of food. Now, realizing that the situation was desperate, Hunt divided the party into four groups. Mm-hmm. So he sent Ramsey Crooks with five men back to Henry's Fort to get the horses. I see. And then to rejoin the party. Well, another guy by the name of McClellan was sent to scout downriver uh, with some companions. And a guy named McKenzie and four men went north uh, towards the mountains uh, up towards Lewiston, that direction. I see. Uh, pretty much north. Right. Now, Hunt still had about 30 people. 
And they began digging the caches, and they dig, dug nine large pits, uh, were dug, and then lined with sticks and grass, and nine canoes loaded with supplies were lowered into the pits. My now, you, you, goodness. Now, you know where I'm talking about, right over here by the Cauldron Lynn. Yeah. And I... Uh, I'm surprised that somebody hasn't found them, and they must have dug them pretty. They've deep. never been found. No. Now they have found things in the river from the capsized canoes. By the way, let's back up just for a second, and then I'll do a commercial. But answer this question: How reliable, through a diary or whatever, is the information that you have? I think it's pretty good. I really do because uh, uh, I don't know why. I just think it's it's pretty reliable because of the number of people that were involved in this. So it's down in the canyon, mm-hmm. just uh, literally less than a mile from where we're sitting right now. Right. Uh, there's supposedly a cache of canoes and nine goods. Nine canoes. Now, you just don't bury nine canoes no. And my other thought is maybe they went up on top of the, the canyon rim. Maybe they buried it up farther from the river than what I would think. I don't, I, I don't know. know. Okay. Don't know. All right. Is there any device that can uh, help us find it so we can have the treasure? <laughs> I would love to find Okay. Oh, what a cash that would be. <laughs> oh, my. Let me just quickly tell everybody, you're listening to Dr. History, brought to you by some really dear friends of ours, Zach and the crew at Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. Don't forget, they've got all your tartar farm and ranch gates and panels. That is the best, the creme de la creme, and also all your lumber packages, everything for remodeling, and all the people that can help you, too. Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, 878-2091. And now, back to, we're going to find the canoes. <laughs> you know, it says that they, the sandy soil was there. So, I, again, I don't know if it's down below the, by the river or up on top, but they... I smoothed, would assume saying that it had to be down by the river. That's what I'm thinking. But they smoothed it over. They Let's put, go find them. <laughs> they put grass and sagebrush over it, and it took several days. So they must have dug them pretty they deep. They wouldn't want to dig them that deep, though. I mean, my goodness, would yeah. they? Well, they're supposedly they're going to come back and get them. Uh, so, did they? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, anyway, before the caches were finished, this Ramsey Crook and his men, uh, who had been sent to Henry's Fort, came back. They were had been forced to come back without getting the horses. The McClellan group, they were afraid that Hunt's desperate situation might tempt him to again take to the river. And so he t- sent two messengers upstream to report that it was impassable. And, of course, we know below Cauldron Lynn is the Shoshone Falls and the Twin Falls. Now, is this the same party, I think it is, that lost a whole bunch of people and canoes that went down into the water hole at Cauldron Lynn, right? Well, this is, they only lost the one guy at I that see. point. At that yeah, point. Yeah, that Antoine. Okay. So. But anyway, the trappers couldn't stay in the river camp without provisions. They only had a little bit of corn, dried meat, grease, bullion tubes, tablets. But Sounds like real good diet. <laughs> good diet, but when you're hungry, well, I'm not done yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that. But anyway, he divided the group again. Nineteen men, led by Ramsey, crossed the south bank of the Snake. Nineteen others, including the Sioux women and her two children, stayed on the north bank with Hunt. Now, two days later, Hunt found a trail and fresh horse tracks, which he followed to a Shoshone Indian camp. 
And the Indians didn't have much. They didn't have much to spare. But, but the trappers were able to trade for a few bits of food and some horses and one for the woman and her children to ride on. Now, the party left the riverbank and stuck out across the desert. And the trek through this bleak land covered with rock, sagebrush, uh, took nearly three weeks, uh, not much water. And on a frosty morning, now we're in November 21st, they saw the Boise River Ooh. in the distance. And, uh, of course, uh, trees and willows and stuff. But right. they followed the stream through the flat, which is pretty easy. And the Boise joined the Snake River. Um, now, the Snake River flowed smooth for a ways again and uh, before dropping into the canyon. Yeah. Now, traveling the canyon just appeared pretty much impossible. They could tell that. So the explorers continued north. Soon they were in snow. Again, I tell you, we're getting this is close to December. Yeah. yeah. But uh, scouts reported they could see great pine-clad mountains covered with snow ahead. It was the roughest country these guys had ever seen. What was the incentive for them to keep going and not turn back? They weren't getting paid that much, were <laughs> well, they? Well, again, the idea that, okay, we're going to get to the Columbia, and then it'll be smooth sailing uh-huh. down to the to the mountain. To the ocean, yeah. yeah. So the trappers headed back toward the Snake River. The snow got deeper. All the horses except one ridden by the woman were killed for food. They melted snow for drinking water. Well, finally, Hunt's party made it back to the edge of the river. They traveled... Uh, and this is where? Uh, up towards the Boise area. Up towards Boise, yeah. okay. Uh, they traveled along these banks for about six miles, making camp. Well, the next morning, December 6th now, they heard shouting from the opposite riverbank. And it was Ramsey Crooks and his group who were on the south side of the river. Okay. okay. So they were shouting across the river. So Hunt ordered a bull boat to build, be built from the willows and with the fresh horse hides. And some meat was sent to the men on the far bank because they were starving, too. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's... one of Crook's men was absolutely crazy with food, uh, the sight of food. And he tried to swim across uh, out to the vessel that was coming across, the bull boat, and yeah. he drowned. He was so hungry. He was so hungry he He drowned. just jumped in and... Because he wanted food. So, oh, my goodness. Anyway, so John Crooks and his men crossed uh, the snake and returned to Hunt's camp in the bull boat. And, again, they were near starvation. These guys were in bad shape. Now, whereabouts was this? You said it was up near Boise, but was it around, uh, like, Glens Ferry or something? You know, at this point, I'm really not exactly sure. But I think I it's see. farther, a little farther north. Farther north. I think. Okay. But uh, anyway, during the, the the guys on the south side during their month, uh, they had survived on one beaver, the carcass of a dog, one beaver, a few dried showcarries, and the soles of worn out moccasins. They, oh, <laughs> now I've Hope never the had. The guy didn't have athlete's foot. <laughs> I've, uh, now I've never had moccasin soup, but oh, you got to be hungry. I don't think. I, well, now I'm not hungry at all. <laughs> now you're not. <laughs> well, anyway, Crooks told Hunt that. Uh, there was impassable cliffs downriver, you know, the Hell's Canyon we're talking about. Now, there and, again, i got to stop you because with the multiplicity of all the animals that are still here in the desert and everything, the uh, antelope and the deer and everything else, you mean they were that poor of shots yeah. they couldn't bring down some game? You know, that's my thinking because, you know, we've been hunting in when it's been cold and yeah. snow and yeah. we usually scare up a deer or an elk or yeah. something, you know. But, and I always carry a Snickers in my pocket. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Salt did not roll for me. Anyway, they had no choice but to leave the river. So some of Hunt's men wanted to forge ahead. And when Hunt refused, these guys just set out alone. Really? They just separated, which is not a good thing to do. No. But the reunited trappers persuaded some reluctant Indians to guide them to the Columbia River. 
Now, the Sioux woman's baby was born December 30th, but unfortunately died nine days later. But you, you can imagine the cold oh and the, you know, she couldn't have been and, eating. And probably they kept on moving, too. Yeah, yeah, moving each day. So. Wow. Now, although the explorers needed food, they spared the last horse for the woman and her children to ride. So she was still... You know, they tried to take care of her. Wow. But anyway, so now we're February 15th, 1812. The hunt party arrived at the newly constructed Fort Astoria. Now, some okay. stragglers did not reach the post until several months later. These guys that took off ahead of them. Um, now, McClellan, uh, he was the guy that headed north towards Lewiston, his group. Now, they knew where to go, though. They kind of knew. They had a map or something? Well, they kind of knew where the Columbia, I think because of Lewis and Clark. They kind of knew where that was. And where I mean, you're going up. into land uncharted. Yeah, I mean, this is the wilderness area. Oh, really. my. So, but McClellan was at Astoria to greet Hunt, having arrived a couple of months earlier. Oh, my So goodness. he had actually probably taken the easiest and the best route. Did they stop at a Denny's or something? <laughs> they, or? they must have. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, they'd come in on January 12th, uh, about a month earlier or something. Yeah. Anyway, after leaving Hunt at the Cauldron Lynn, McKenzie's party of five, like I say, they cut north, then northwest, and... And again, struggling through some of the most rugged country. And when they ran out of rations, they lived for a time on strips of boiled beaver pelts. They nearly died of thirst while traveling on the east rim of Hell's Canyon. And now, picture this. You're, you're thirsty, and here's this canyon way down below. You can see water yeah. in this river, but you can't get to it. This is amazing to me because, number one, uh, to set off on a, a trek like this, You'd think they would have been more aware of their supply needs. Uh, you would think. And actually, they did find a mountain sheep they, would, they were able to shoot. Oh, and that poor that, sheep. <laughs> they, I don't suppose there's much left of that guy. When no, they got no, 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 no. So, but anyway, McKenzie reached the Clearwater River. He got uh, obtained canoes from the Nez Perce Indians, and they followed the river to the Columbia, then floated on to Fort Astoria. Now, the Hunt uh, Party's attempt to navigate the Snake River was the first on record. Uh, as was their crossing of southern Idaho. That's the first explorers that we think came across right through here. Really? So, And, in fact, in 1938, rusty traps and guns were found in the Snake River near Cauldron Lynn. Right uh, down here by me. Yes, yes. And they were the type used by early trappers and are believed to be from that canoe that tipped over where the uh, Antone, Antoine guy drowned. Holy And these items are actually on display at the Idaho State Historical Museum in Boise. I'll be darned. Now, I haven't been there, but I, uh, after reading the story, I'm going to... Uh, stop in there one of these days and, and just see what they've got. It's too bad that I, you know, of all the places down there in the canyon that you would think they would bury some canoes, I yeah. think I know probably the most logical, but then we don't know way back then how the river had altered some of its course. Yeah, I mean, that's what, 200 years ago. Yeah. You know, so let me just show you this map. Zip. Oh, that's, my. That kind of shows the routes that the different parts the party took. I am somewhat surprised that those that stayed on the river could not have existed on a better diet. Fishing, do you ever think of that? Yeah, uh, a little surprising. And yeah. uh, I mean, the Indians knew how to make uh, fish hooks out of bone. Yeah. And with their connection with Indians, yeah, you'd think even if they didn't have hooks, they could figure out something. Boy, I tell you what, they were totally, in my opinion, unprepared. I, I think they were, but yeah. uh, this Astor, uh, John Jacob Astor was an amazing Well, how story. many, quickly, we're almost out of time, but how many guys from the original troop that set off ended up 
at a final destination? You know, I, I don't have a number, but I know they lost at least two. Really? And maybe maybe as many as eight. And what happened to the Indian lady? Uh I guess, you know, it doesn't say, but I, I assume she made it to uh, Astoria. Okay. And uh, that was the end of that. But the, the story about the ship that came around, I'll have to tell that one of these days, too. Yeah, but, you know, amazingly, you and I can turn our heads and look out that window and see exactly what they saw Yeah. Uh, back then with a couple of alterations, naturally. <laughs> yeah, like Twin Falls <laughs> yeah, and right, Burley and yeah, Jerome. Right. And, uh, Interesting story, uh, but still it amazes me that they couldn't have had or found better food and i would have thought they would have used more information from the indians yeah been a little more uh, helpful absolutely so because the absolutely. indians knew that territory yeah so. doctor history you did it again brought to you by minicasha sales 1321 east main street in burley right across from the airport zach and the rest of the crew serving you at minicasha sales i say this every week and it becomes redundant but i'm sure you have a topic for next week <laughs> you betcha <laughs> <laughs> oh did i you can't ever, wait to see what it is did you do your research on the tribal no, names i'm not gonna let that go i know, I know. i'll oh. work on it someday okay <laughs> All is well in your home, I hope? Yes, very okay. good. All right. Well, we're looking forward to another segment next week. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.